Welcome to Game Changers, a podcast about trailblazing West Australian women and their contribution to the wonderful game of soccer. This collection was produced and developed by the Centre for Stories and the State Library of Western Australia. Together, we are sharing stories that reflect our state's rich heritage, diversity and history. The interviews you're about to hear were recorded on Wajak Noongar Buja, and we pay our respects to their elders, traditional custodians and knowledge keepers who are the first storytellers of this place. In the lead-up to Perth hosting some of the games for one of the world's largest sporting tournaments, the FIFA Women's World Cup Australia and New Zealand 2023, we hear stories from local women who rose up against inequality and stereotypes to champion the game of soccer as far back as the 1970s. We hear from elite athletes, past and present, considered to be the best in the game, both locally and globally. And we hear from the community role models who are courageously making soccer more accessible and equitable for future generations of women, young girls and newcomers of all genders to the game. Sports media journalist Chris Morano sat down and heard why self-belief, sacrifice and strength is what it takes to become champions of soccer. In today's episode, Chris talks to a family for whom soccer runs through their veins. Tambi Brooking and her daughter Iskia Brooking both play soccer, while Tambi's husband coaches. Tambi started out playing soccer in an area of Perth where there was less opportunity for young girls to play, and is now proud to see that changing for her daughter Iskia, who is playing at an elite level with the Junior Matildas. Enjoy. My name is Tambi Ngosi, that's my full name, Tambi Ngosi, Brooking, and I was born in, um, in Bulawayo, in Zimbabwe, which is the second largest city in, in that country. And I was raised by a single father, five girls. <laughs> five. <laughs> five girls, can you imagine? Oh, Ah, he was a very quiet guy, and I think he was very strict, very, um, very quiet. He didn't know what he was thinking, and very strict. He he wanted us to be good people. I think he just wanted us. He never drank, never smoked. He, um, we always went to church every weekend. That one you can't miss. <laughs> you gotta go to church, <laughs> like a proper Christian, you know. Yeah. But as you keep growing and become a teenager, you go like, oh God, do I have to? Yeah. You know that type of thing. You seeing your friends are having fun, and there you are dressed in a dress and socks, <laughs> socks up to your knee. Yeah. Go to church, and all your friends are just giving you a wave, a little wave, like, oh, see you later. But I feel like that was a really, really good upbringing when, when you think of it now, you know, just being kind and, you know, and uh, he used to work hard and he was he was a truck, he used to drive, in, you know, the bean trucks, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a, you know, a, um, a big job, but he, he managed to um, kind of take us to school and, you know, we went to local schools and... 
I then I, we um, I moved to my grandmother's house. I think he was going through some stuff, so we moved to my grandmother's house. And then I, I moved with my other sisters, but my other sisters were taken by their mother, so we got all different mothers. So they went and lived with their mother, and I missed them so badly. Fourth, it was so hard for me mm-hmm. at my grandmother's house. But then my auntie, uh, which which is my dad's uh, sister, uh, used to work in South Africa. Okay. And every month she used to say groceries and stuff. One day they he, he, she brought she brought us a, a ball like a a soccer ball. Oh, I was in love with that thing. Oh my god. <laughs> Played with all the boys on the street. Like, I used to just destroy those boys. <laughs> just, I love that ball so much. It kind of made me forget about my sisters. And then um, we went back to my dad's house, took that ball with us. And uh, then I met with my sisters again. And we just played every single day until that ball was just like, uh, that's it. There was no color on that ball. Like, <laughs> you know, when you're poor over there, you, you don't really see how poor you are until somebody, until maybe you come here and then you go like, oh, oh God. But then in the fun that we have over there, you don't really see how poor you are. What was it about playing football that captured you like why why did you love that ball so much I think I learned how to be creative but everyone is trying to chase the ball but you're trying to run away with that ball and you're trying to score because we used to put two bricks there that's that was our goals yeah and um and just being creative and saying okay if that one is coming as you turn that way you know all that it was just like the adrenaline is where, because boys are really fast and big men are used to be fast. Just the fun, the laughs, the, the you know, like the, the, the um, we used to, you know, talk like, you know, look, you know, how do you guys call it? You know, like that girl there, just talk crap. Nothing personal. <laughs> yeah. So when did you come to Perth and when did you start playing in a women's team here? So I came here 2005, and I came here on a Thursday, Thursday afternoon, 12 p.m. My husband, back then it was like a boyfriend, took me to Subiaco at Lodz that night for a futsal game. I never played futsal. And the shoes wasn't the right shoes. I remember one of the shoes came off. I'm trying to get this shoe on. Yeah, but that was it. It That was like, oh, wow. All right. This is another level. Yeah. 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 It was really fun, though. I was like, oh, oh my God. People here play like this. God. All right. I got to, you know, I got to switch on. I got to switch off. And then one day we were driving around Subiaco. And then I saw the women's play. There, I said to my husband, oh, make me join that team, please. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I want to go and play. When they were registered, boom, I was uh, I, I was in that team. I remember I, I played in the same team with um, uh, the, the Fremantle mayor. Oh, yeah. Same team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Those Still women are passion, you know? Yeah. It's really a passion. That's like a lot of women for with football has been a passion. It's, it's never really about, oh, 
you know, you know, it's a job. But right now, for these young girls, maybe it's becoming a job. And then that's how I started. Um, started I played there for what two seasons, and then I met an African brother from my country, Richard. Uh, he used to coach coach with my husband because my husband was my coach. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? <laughs> and then we moved to Belmont, uh, one of my African clubs there, Sporting Warriors. Played there for maybe two seasons as well. And then from there, I went to Windmills. Mm-hmm. And then Windmills, we went, I went back to, then I went to Freeland. So, Iskia, do you have memories of your mom playing when you were growing up? Definitely. That's really all I can, like, think about when I grew up because me and my brother would just be sitting on the sideline with the ball, watching mom, watching dad coach, and that's, like, really all we did. Football was daily for us. Like, that's what we grew up with. And we would travel. We went to Barcelona. We went to... Where else did we go? Italy. We went to visit the Barcelona, what is it called? Barcelona FC Stadium. At oh, the right. time, I was like, what's this? I mean, we what that means. <laughs> but now I realize, like, Lionel Messi's played there. Ronaldo's probably played there. It's like, wow. Ronaldo Madrido. Yeah, exactly. On the sidelines, me and my brother would verse each other. It would always be competitive. But my first actual, like, match or session would be, like, with Mark Lee, he was a one-on-one training session guy. He, like, did camps with, like, little kids. And everyone thought I was a boy because I had, like, short hair. I was like, oh, that boy's so good. <laughs> a little boy with a pink shoe. Yeah. yeah. And then I got into the older age group for Mark Lee, and then I just kept on playing, playing, playing. And then my mom signed me into, like, a, a club. I don't know what my first club was. Uh, it was UWA. UWA. And I stayed there with Jod, the American coach. Okay. Yeah, shout out to Jod. Okay. <laughs> I stayed there for a bit and I moved to Subiaco. I went to Florida. I went to so many clubs, like, I don't know. So, so how old were you at this time? I was around seven, six-ish. Okay. And I just kept on moving, moving. But I kept on getting better, which I was, like, I was pretty happy about. I just kept on training, training, training. And then at a point I got into Sterling Lines for under 10s, I think. Under 10 to 11 or something. Yeah. And that's when I was like, wow, like, look, I'm already 10, 11. Like, and then I got the news a couple of weeks later after I joined Sterling was I got into the inter-school state team uh, under 12s. And I think I was 10 at the time. I was like whoa, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I could actually make like a living out of this. Like you had that feeling yeah. already? No, yeah. I was like, if I'm going all the way over to Canberra to play, I'm like, I've made it. Football West was like kind of with uh, the state team at the time. And they, my mom saw in a newspaper article that NTC was doing trials. NTC stands for National Training Centre. So it like... um it's kind of like it's a pathway. It's a pathway for uh, girls to get into junior Matildas, young Matildas, the Matildas. So like the Football West coaches are trained by Football Australia mm-hmm. to like 
get what they want to go international team. Mm-hmm. And then I got into NTC under 13s. Next year I went in the 14s. Next year I went in the 15s. And then now I'm in the under 18s NTC, coached by Ben and Fernando. And how old are you now? I am 14 years old. 14. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge, huge achievement. Very quickly. Yeah. We're just like running around, enjoying. Mm. You know, at UWA was really fun because the girls after that, they'll be, you know, doing cutwheels and having fun and having a sausage. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you're traveling that way, you're traveling that way. It's like, guys, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> it's been definitely a great experience, definitely. No, but I've definitely been, like, present in the experience. Like, I'm like, oh, I played at Subiaco. I played, I, I remember where I was, like, I came from. I'm never going to forget it. Mm. And it's just, it's just been an amazing experience. Like, I can't believe, like, I'm here at 14, but I'm definitely, like, I'm proud of myself, definitely, yeah. Well, it reminds me of a video. I think it might be on YouTube, but I saw it on your mom on Tembi's Facebook page, and I think you're at Lords. So you were basically out playing a, a little boy, <laughs> bit of play hall around him, which even at such a young age, you can see so much talent. Yeah. And I think you said something like, you know, yeah, let me show let me show you what I can do. Yeah. Or Tembi, you told me that it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it almost seems like from such a young age that yeah. this path was inevitable because you can see your talent in yeah. the video. And when you say something like that, the belief you have in yourself. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about what's been rewarding so far and what also has been challenging for you to help other aspiring players understand the journey? Just meeting new people. Like I've made so many great friends, definitely, and ones that are going to be with me for a long, long, long time. A big challenge for me is def- right now is probably school. Schools are like very hard to balance and I train like two times a day. I get back at like 8.30 or something like that. And like, I don't have time to do schoolwork. I don't have time to do anything like revise, study. But luckily my school, John Curtin, has a football program in it. So the coaches and staff, they're all very supportive of what I'm doing. And they tell administration that, oh, she's going to national team. She's going to NTC camp. She's going to whatever, whatever. Like they're very supportive, I think. Shout out to just... Ruby Cuthbert, Harper, all my friends from Junior Matillas, you guys are amazing. They inspire me so much, especially to be in an older age group. Mm-hmm. And it's just great to see because I just watch them, I idolise them. Not so much. It's not all about idolising the big players that are making money. It's the smallest people that could really inspire you. Just the the way they communicate to me, I love it. Like She's a great communicator on the pitch but 100% the best off. She's like, is you okay today? Are you feeling good today? Tembi, you're saying that you find it really important that Iskia has mentors. Yeah. Outside of like the support network that the two of you have. I feel like um, you can support her, you know, as a mother and love her and care for her. But then there's other, you know, this other, you know, as, as an athlete, I feel like there's up the things that I don't know that other people might know better. Yeah. Because when we came to your to your event in the financial, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, who came with Ruby and her mm-hmm. mom. Okay. Yeah, so she said something that stayed in Ruby's mind forever. And she uses that all the time. And she said, you know, as a defender, because I think she's a defender as well. So Ruby's a defender as well. She said to her, um, if you make a mistake, just forget about it and move on. Mm-hmm. I think for her, she's been eating herself. Well, you know, I made that mistake. I mean, mm-hmm. those words from her to mm-hmm. Ruby state, she talks about those words every time. Yeah, I feel like for me, coming from Africa as well, we, we always have, it's not like mentors. When we're growing up, we have aunties and uncles that kind of um, looked after us. So, you know, when you're from 10 years of age, when you're about to hit puberty and, you know, you, you're about to get your period, you know, you've got aunties to tell you, you know, periods are coming, mm. body's changing, so be mindful of this, be mindful of that. You know, all those things. So I feel like for them that they need those football mentors. What does your mom's support mean to you and how has she supported you? It means everything. Like even my dad is also very supportive, but my mom's just, she's always in the car. She's always waiting in the car park. She's always watching my session. She's always at the game. It's just, she's like, it's good drink your my wheezing. It's good drink this, it's good drink that. You can tell she really, really cares and she wants me to get somewhere and I'm not going to disappoint her and I'm not going to let her waste all these years helping me. Oh, I'm gonna you get... can change. You can be a teacher if you want. No, no, I don't feel <laughs> what are the moments like for you when you're far away from home? So you're just in Mongolia playing with the Junior Matildas. What's that experience like? Mongolia was my first ever international game overseas. So it was definitely different because I didn't have any family there. I didn't have anyone. But I also had my friends with me and they're very supportive also. And even though it's a very competitive environment, it's like we want to start, we we don't want to be on the bench. Mm -hmm. But they're all very supportive and even the coaching stuff is. But Mongolia was a big step for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Very, very big step, though. And the weather, the co- the people who were versing, it's a whole different level, whole different ballgame. There's snow in there, snowing and <laughs> negative three degrees. Just versing different competitors, like not versing like Subiaco, we've got Subiaco, we've got Balcada next week. It's like just different competitors, different languages. We have the chef here. We have the security guard here. We can't go down the street because it's just a dangerous environment there. But it just it just makes you feel like a professional once you go there. When I first got there, I feel like I was very scared, very scared. But once I didn't start in the first game, so I was pretty upset about that. But I was like, we got the second game, so it's okay. I started in the second game and I was like, just relax. It's all worth it in the end. It's just 90 minutes, 90 minutes of trying to get the ball in the goal. And in the 26th minute, I was like, I got the ball. Let me just hit it in the goal. Duh. Dusted. (laughs) So Shelby, shout out to Shelby. She was, me and her usually in the tens, and she just did a square ball to me outside the box, pinged it in left, left, bottom left. How did that feel? That was your first international goal? Yes. 
it just felt amazing because one of my friend's moms is a photographer and she caught the whole moment. She just clicked, 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 clicked. And then she posted on Instagram. I was like, wow, I actually did that. Like, it was really good because I had my phone watching on the TV and I had my phone on my hand. I dropped that phone. I was screening that house. <laughs> but me and my husband who stood up. So proud. Yeah. That, that was just oof, like pat warming. It was just like, oh, God, look at this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about pregame rituals. Are there any rituals you use that you're willing to share that ground you no matter where you are? Um, I usually have like two to like one to two hours like by myself with no one. I like might call my mom. I'll just be laying down on the bed, just relax. Because the main part about football is not to overthink. Like, play with your heart, not your head. My dad says that all of the time. Just like, you just got to relax. Don't think about what's going on on social media. Did anyone tag me? Like, just relax. Yeah, just bending stage, just to take all that negative energy and and when you're playing with other people, you you're you're mixing with different energies. Mm-hmm. So for me, that burning of sage, just you know, just to relax and just do, don't listen to all the negative, all the negative stuff, because mm-hmm. so many negative people out there and and negative energies. What are you both excited about when it comes to the World Cup and knowing that we have games here in Perth? Oh. We always been, I've always watched it on the TV all the time. And when, uh, when I watched them when they uh, when they announced that Australia and New Zealand are bringing it here, I couldn't believe it. I was like, really here? Wow. And I said, you know what? I don't care who comes to Perth as long as they're a women's team and they're here to play. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and I already bought my tickets. The first batch that came out, I bought every game. Board every game. I don't care who's playing who. I'm there. Yeah, just exciting. Like, it's for me, it's for all these women that had played uh, all these years and and this is kind of like a reward kind of, you know, kind of thing because not, not everyone can afford to go and watch a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Who are you most excited to see play? All my African teams. All of them. Shout out to all of my African teams. Jamaica. You know, I know the obvious ones, Australia, Canada, the U.S., Germany, Japan, South Korea, but i got to shout out to all my African teams and mm-hmm. Jamaicans as well, you know, my black people there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's definitely a surreal moment. Like, there's not much advertising yet for it, but it's good to see, like, little kids, little boys, little girls just like, like, oh, my God, like, what's this sport? I want to join in. Like, it's definitely good exposure. That's what I think, exposure for, like, the next generation that's coming. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see all your favourite players, favourite teams, England play. Very excited for England play. Shout out to England. <laughs> yeah, coming from Africa, but my Africans, as I said to you before, we have, they have to see something out mm-hmm. there for them to, uh, to believe that, oh, wow, look at that person, they're up there. Mm-hmm. I can be that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of, I feel like, a lot of people don't know about this World Cup that is coming here. 
And I think we have to kind of spread the word out and let people know. And Why do you think people don't know that the World Cup is on? It's not advertised that much. It's not on mainstream radios. Mm. It's not on a little bit on the TV here and there, but it's not as... I feel like if you, if if the World Cup was in in the US, we will know. We would know even yeah. from here. We will know that yeah. the World Cup is there because you gotta see when you yeah. see that girl up there. When you see Serena Williams and man, you go like, huh, I want to be like her. When yeah. you see Sam Kerr there, you say, I want to be like her. Mm. Sam Kerr is one of the the best in the world. Mm. For me, she's number one. Mm. Women play. I know there's other people. They say it's debatable, but she is the best. In the women's, so this is her country. This is her town. We should have. We should just flood everything about her over here because it, it's gonna take what another what fifty years for that World Cup to come back here. Yeah. So yeah. So for us, as Perth, I feel like Perth is, is in is it, we are on our own country, mm-hmm. not even the city. We're our own country, so we should do it our way and just. Make it a a, a a great experience. Yeah, let let's talk about that a little bit more. So, in terms of the women's game in Western Australia, what does the game need more of? Just we need more more grounds, more buildings. Like we need buildings where you guys have a space in there, uh, like the new one in um, Queens Park. Queens Park. If there's a room there for you guys to do all this podcast stuff and, and do different things, I know they will have a gym there, they will have everything, you know. We need new grounds because right now NTC is training, tra- they train everywhere. So there's a lot, there's lots of driving for parents. I know this is a, 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 a footy country mm-hmm. and this is a footy country, I understand. Yeah. So I guess with soccer, we have to be patient and, and 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 start the conversation and say you know we gotta have we need more. Mm. Can you imagine in that space the girls are training outside? There's a gym, you know. There's a coffee place. There's a space like something like this where you guys are just talking to different people. Mm. There's the Michaelas there doing the sports science. We could you know mentors there chatting with girls and all different things. That would be a beautiful space. Yeah, because I feel like it's a win-win for everyone. We get visitors here. They, you know, they will spend money in the, in the, in the city. So mm. we, it's a, it's a win-win. So I feel like we need. I think there's more girls that are playing football or red soccer already, mm-hmm. and um, we just need to to guide them and have a great coaches as well you know, to help them for those that want to take it serious to train them. Because with Iskia, what we did was we took her, uh, She she we took her to Shrash. Shout out to Shrash. He was a futsal coach. So all the skills that she learned from from him, that's all the skills that she she's always had in her head. I remember grassroots, it's all parents. So parents are running their lines, parents are the referee, parents are doing this and that, you know. And for us, especially for, for Australia, if Australia has to compete in the world, we have to kind of, you know, get in there and, 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 and put all the funds. 
it's just more basically what mum said, just like more growls, more exposure. I like I when I was younger, I never saw any billboards of women's football, like zero. All I saw, not even men's, like all I saw was footy, Richmond's playing, West Coast playing, Dockers are playing. But I just wish it happened with football. But we just got to be patient. It, we'll get there one day. Iskia, I want to talk about self-belief and confidence because it's a big topic that's come up in these conversations for the series and it is broadly talked about in women's football. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what confidence means to you? Confidence is the whole game. It's how you play on and off the pitch. You're confident on the pitch and you're also going to be confident off the pitch. But, yeah, it's definitely, like, a personality that scouts and coaches look for in a player. But also definitely off the pitch, it's, like, it's not hiding away and, like, I don't want to go to training anymore. My coach shouts at me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to – I don't want to – I don't want my parents to come watch. They always shout at me. Mm-hmm. It's just about having that self-belief that I can do this. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's watching. Mm-hmm. I don't care what my coaches say. I'm me. I have confidence that I'm a good player. I'm still working on my confidence. Like, I want the sneakers. I want the clothes. Like, when I go to school, I need to get these shoes. I need to get these socks. It's like, I feel like society now, we're lacking a lot of it because everyone wants to follow someone, follows each trend. Like, trends come and go. It's like, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then some people change their personalities just because they want to be like, that lesson, cool. But I feel like someday, like a, a few people are trying to like start their own thing, trying to be themselves. And that's what I'm trying to do. The people around you are sometimes very judgmental on, oh, why are you doing your own thing? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It's like, just let me be me. But definitely confidence, resilience. All my friends are going to, all my friends out of football going to parties and da 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 da. Like, is he why can't you come? No, I'm training. I can't come. It's just the resilience and like the hard work, like mm-hmm. just being determined. Mm-hmm. You can't stop or else you'll be left behind. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There's definitely days where I'm like, oh, no, I don't feel like this. But now since I'm like more mature, I feel like I just have to keep going because it's what I want to do. Like, it's just something that I've set my mind to and I'm not going to stop till I get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like it's, it's, it's very hard for this um, Gen Zs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very different world um, that has been created for them because now every child has a phone, a child as young as four years of age mm-hmm. and parents are trying their best. They are trying their best. You know, they're trying to discipline them, but uh, these kids are so, they're consuming too much with their little brains mm-hmm. and and they're following what's being said there. So most of them will, their confidence will drop because you can't keep up because parents have to keep buying. Mm-hmm. This stuff, I know, it's cheap. <laughs> These they're like what one fifty. Some are like two hundred, all all the way to two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. 
So can you imagine as a parent, you're trying to make ends meet and now you're trying to fulfill these um, um, Jordans and Air Forces and what, what that they were. And I feel like it, this, it's so, it's so hard because if you try and pull away from what everybody's like, people won't even talk to you. And then, but constantly being judged. I was talking to a friend the other day and um, um, since the young girls have started playing, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like comments and, you know, the Twitter hands, mm-hmm. Twitter hands are everywhere because you can't see them. Mm-hmm. And I find it like, why would you want to comment on 14-year-olds that are just starting their journeys? Mm-hmm. Why are you judging them? Why are you telling them this and that? But you don't say that to, to boys. So, so many men are, are just commenting on young girls a lot, especially athlete girls. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you there? Why don't we? The only people that can comment are coaches and friends and family of that particular child, you know. All the even the Matildas there. There's lots of judgment and mm-hmm. nasty comments about those girls. As much as they are enjoying, there's someone who is out there saying, "Nah, you're not good enough." Mm-hmm. So that's why I think mentors come in there and just say, "Hey, you gotta keep going." Yeah, you know, you love this thing and just keep working hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, I'm just thinking when you said dream. Tembe is like, where does your dream go from here? So you're applying with the junior Matildas and NTC. What are you looking towards? What does the future look like for you? Probably, obviously, making the Matildas first team team and just signing for a pro club, getting a contract, getting paid. Mm-hmm. That's that's the big dream, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say but obviously in my mindset I'll always say I'm close I'm getting there and Iskia they're Matildas or professional footballers that you look up to oh there's too many like I love Steph Catley she's just such a kind person and her technique on the pitch is definitely something I would idolize to be Mary Fowler she started at such a young age she's a midfielder she's one of the youngest in the team like me Lauren James Oh, she's just an amazing midfielder. Just she's definitely someone that I aspire to be. Mm. And Samco, she's just the whole package, you know. She's inspired so many people in Australia and hopefully in the world. She's just made this. She's made Perth like Perth. Mm-hmm. I want to get into her head because I don't know how she does. Yeah, that's just for for her. To go and 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 travel all the way to Chelsea, go and get, play again, score goals, get on the plane, comes back here, plays for Matildas, scores goals. Like I, I haven't seen any men that do that. You have to come here and perform at your highest level. You go back that way, and you gotta perform at your highest level. I don't see it. Show me which which men out there do that. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, wow, these women. 
wow, wow, wow. And Caitlin Ford, his story, being being brought up by a single mother, you know, that's just special. We're such a momentous time in history with the Women's World Cup coming. Um, reflecting on what does it mean to be a woman today? What it means to be a woman in this day and age. For me, I'm just lucky to be alive. I'm just lucky to be here, really. I could have been in Africa there and be married to some some dodgy guy there and have 10 kids with him. I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky to be alive. I'm lucky that the, I'm allowed to call Australia my home. And, and just being being alive, really, for me, after COVID, I feel like we just be grateful to be alive. There's lots to be done for women out there, but it's getting there. The noise is louder, and hopefully it will change uh, day by day, mm-hmm. hour by hour, to better women's lives. Mm-hmm. It's great because... It's not like my mom never had any experience with football. Like she was, as you heard, she was playing in Africa. She was playing here. My dad's like a coach, but it's great that my mom also got to have the experience that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You always see uh, for other people, you know, you watch Serena Williams uh, in her box there, her mom's there, her, you know, her sisters are there, and you go like, oh, wow, look at them supporting her as, you know, the mother-daughter, and now she's got her own daughter, her own daughter is sitting out there watching mom play, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's it's us here. And it's, yeah, if I'm, if I'm, in, I mean, if I'm in a dream, please help somebody pinch me and wait here. <laughs> Hopefully Iskia keeps working hard and keeps loving the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and will keep supporting her. Mm-hmm. And let's keep loving soccer girls and boys. Parents, let's keep supporting. And let's just stop that hate messages and stuff to young children. Just let them grow and make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, they're on the pitch. That's how they learn. But you can't judge them by that. The hate is should be removed from people. There's too much hate. But football should just keep going. Soccer should just keep going every day. In Africa, it's, we play every single day. Like every single day, we'll play for five hours. Yeah. Non-stop. <laughs> so shout out to all my Africans there in Africa, you know, in those dusty places where, where you are in Blowout and Harare and in South Africa, in, in Ghana, in Nigeria, just keep playing. Something will come up one day. Mm-hmm. Never stop dreaming. Dreams do come true. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. This podcast was produced by the Centre for Stories. It was developed in conjunction with and funded by the State Library of Western Australia. Our organisations believe in storytelling as a way to build more inclusive communities head to slwa.wa.gov.au to listen to the rest of this oral history collection or head to centreforstories.com to learn more about our storytelling services and mission. Special thanks to our production team, script editor and executive producer, Louisa Mitchell, that's me, 
producer and interviewer Chris Morano, and audio engineer Mason Velios. Thank you.